Our scripture reading this morning is found in Luke 9, 23 through 26. If you don't have a Bible, um, we would love to give you one, and we actually have some in the vestibules as you exit. You're free to slip out and grab one or just get one on the way out this morning, but we'd love for you to have one as a gift. Um, again, Luke 9, 23 through 26. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I, tr I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks, Patrick. Uh, well, good to see you all. Uh, my name is uh, Reed Kappel. I serve as the campus pastor here uh, of Christ Community at the Olathe Campus. And again, if you're new, if you're a guest, we're glad you're here. A beautiful Sunday, winter wonderland outside, uh, celebrating a Chiefs victory, which is great. If they would have lost, we would have had a very different sermon. Um, it would have just been a big counseling session the whole time. But, uh, but truly, it's a joy to be with you all uh, and to open God's Word together. But uh, before we jump in, let me, let me pray for our time. Uh, let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you in the name of your Son and the power of your Spirit to worship you, to, to trust you, Lord, to, to hear from you, to respond to you in light of who you are and what you have done. Lord, I ask that you would meet us in our, in our pains and our fears and our joys and our doubts, and that you would comfort us with the presence that you are God with us, Emmanuel. Lord Jesus, may you be the king of our lives, and may we surrender all that we are and all that we have to you and find the life that we all long for. It is in your name and for your glory that we pray. Amen. Uh, several, several weeks ago, I was at the gym. I go to the gym, okay, uh, and, and I, was, I was listening to a, a parent, a parent and, a, and a daughter have a conversation. It was this mom and little girl, about seven years old, and, and they were discussing um, their plans for the rest of the day. They were packing up, getting ready to go. And, and the, the little girl said to her mom, hey, mom, are we going to church now? And, and it was a Monday afternoon. And so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm like perking up, listening. Oh, well, I'm curious what she's going to say. And the mom very sweetly and very matter-of-factly said, no, sweetheart, we, we're going home. Church is over for the week. And, and, and as I heard that, I just was kind of re resonating and reflecting on, on her words. Now, I mean, in one sense, I, I know what she's saying. She's saying, no, we're not going back to the church building. We were just there yesterday. And we probably won't return until the following Sunday. You know, that's, that's kind of the tradition. And so, and, and I get what she's saying, but there's also a sense in which this sentiment communicates the way in which Christians and non-Christians think about church. That, that church has a certain relevance and jurisdiction and influence over just a facet of our lives, but doesn't have really much to say to the majority of our lives. That church is really just for my soul. Church is for my personal relationship with Jesus. Church is for Sunday. But again, what, what, if, what if church wasn't just a, a place that we gathered? What if, what if the church was a people scattered? Well, what if church was not just something we encountered one hour a week, but something that we lived out and embraced the rest of the 167 hours of our week? 
What if church is not just for Sunday, but what if church is truly for Monday and every day? Now, if you were with us last week, we we began this new sermon series, Church for Monday, and Nathan beautifully showed us that that this idea of being a church that is not just for one day a week, but truly for all days and all places and all people and all time, is not a new idea, it's not a new initiative or or a new kind of, uh, of, of ideology, but rather this is a renewed focus, a re-emphasis of who we have always been as a church and what the mission of Jesus Christ has been from the beginning. That the church of Jesus Christ is comprised of whole and influential apprentices who follow Jesus in all of life, joining him in the work of renewing all things broken by sin and the fall. And we believe that this mission that Jesus has called us to as followers of Jesus is bigger than just one day a week, one hour a week, or a few minutes in the morning. It is beyond that. It encompasses all of our existence every day of the week. And we as a church, it is our desire to prepare and equip us as the people of God to live into this mission more fully, more faithfully, more fruitfully in every aspect of our lives, in your home, in your work, in your school, in your relationships, in your play, in finances, in everything, because we believe that the mission God has called us to is greater than just one day. And because of this, church really can never be over for the week. Because what we believe about Jesus is that he has not just saved us, although he has, and we celebrate that, but he has summoned us. He has not just rescued us from something, namely sin and death, that is true, but he's rescued us for something. And he has invited us to join him on his mission. This is why we long to be and desire to live into this reality of being a church for Monday, which really is a metaphor for all of life. And so this morning, uh, and and hopefully last week as you walked out, hopefully you all got one of our uh, sermon series workbooks, which I encourage you to grab. It's a phenomenal supplement to this series as we think about and understand how God has equipped us and called us to follow Jesus in all of life. There's some in the vestibules on your way out, so please feel free to grab one. But, but this morning, and actually over the, the next seven weeks, what we plan to do is kind of look at what we refer to these seven marks of a disciple, of an influential and whole apprentice of Jesus who is ready to live out their Jesus-following life in all of life. And this morning, we're going to look at this first mark, that a disciple is one who takes up their cross. A disciple who is ready for Monday and ready to follow Jesus in all of life fundamentally is one who takes up their cross. Now, this is kind of a churchy phrase, like at face value, it doesn't really make sense. What does it mean to take up your cross? Uh, That that kind of sounds morbid, especially if we understand the cross as, as a symbol of execution and death and morbidity. What does it mean for us to take up our cross? Well, to put it simply, and we'll unpack it more as we turn to our text in Luke chapter 9, but to put it simply... To take up your cross is to to declare fully that your life is no longer your own, that you are completely, utterly, entirely giving your life to Jesus, that he now has rights and jurisdiction over your life, that he now defines and determines what the good life is for you, and that everything about you is now lived in joyful surrender to his will that is for our good and for his glory that the entirety of our existence is to be lived with Jesus and to be lived for Jesus. 
And so if there's one idea that you take from our time this morning as we unpack this first mark, that a disciple who's ready for Monday is one who takes up their cross, let it be this, that Monday is not about you, it is about Jesus. That our whole life, everything about us, if we are followers, if that identifies you, and I know some of you don't identify as a follower of Jesus, but if you do, what it means is that Monday is not about you, it is about Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus, or if, or if you're considering following Jesus, I, I, I want to preach this message so that we all are aware of what we've gotten ourselves into and what we are considering getting ourselves into. Because this whole idea of following Jesus is not a hobby, it's not a religion, it's not an ideology, it truly is a way of life that encompasses everything about us, which is incredibly daunting and yet at the same time mysteriously compelling. So as we turn to Luke chapter 9, which if you have your Bibles, electronic or paper, please turn there, and we're going to be looking at these few verses that are so impactful that Jesus gives his disciples and that speaks to us today. And as we turn there, we're going to see first that to be a disciple who takes up our cross means that Monday, that all of life that we live in, Monday is where we battle ourselves. Monday is where we battle ourselves. This is part of what it means to take up our cross. The words of Jesus in Luke 9 and, and the, uh, the parallel texts in the other Gospels, this is probably one of the closest things we have to a job description of a follower of Jesus. And, and Jesus says this, in verse 23, we read these words that Jesus gives to his disciples. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, to follow Jesus, again, is to boldly declare that everything about you is now placed under the authority, the wisdom, the love, and the guidance of Jesus Christ, that he now determines and defines everything about you, that he has rights over your career, over your education, over your relationships, over your body, over your sexuality, over your finances, over your political persuasions, everything. Everything is seen through the lens of who Jesus is and what he has done. And this is precisely where so many of us, whether Christian or not, we, this is where we tend to part ways with Jesus. Because th there's some sense in which Jesus is, there, there's a, a comfortability, even within our culture, that people like Jesus to a level, to a degree. You know, it's, this is where so many, though, part ways. Once, you, once Jesus starts meddling with my life, once, you know, I'll follow you, Jesus, provided that you don't make my life too uncomfortable provided that you don't make my reputation too questionable, provided that you don't make my, my hobbies too minimal, and provided you don't make my values too countercultural. If you do, we're going to have to have a conversation, Jesus. And, and this is where we tend to part ways with him. We'll follow Jesus when he says, love others, serve others, even forgive others to a degree. But the moment Jesus starts meddling with who I am, the moment he starts demanding things of me and calling me to live all of my life under his reign and rule, this is where we part ways. And, and this is difficult for us for so many reasons, but, but one reason in particular is because you and I, you and I have, we hold the highest approval rating in our lives more than anyone else. 
And if you doubt me, uh, you should read this article that The Atlantic put out uh, quoting this poll that uh, public polling policy put out. That was a lot of P words. Um, uh, but they put out this article showing that of all of the, the characters in the world, both, both uh, uh, real and historical, well, not that historical people aren't real, but, you know, but of all people that have influence over our lives, the one person that has the highest approval rating is you. Let's give it up for ourselves, you know? We've done a great job. We've got our approval rating up. But seriously, we've beat out Abraham Lincoln, Mother Teresa, and Jesus Christ, which is very interesting. We all have a very high view of ourselves. It is our voice we listen to more than any other voice. It is, it is our face we look at more than anybody else's face. It is our opinion that we're more interested in. It is our will that we bend to more than anybody else's. And Jesus emphatically declares to us, if you want to find life and find it to the fullest, you must surrender control of your life. You must recognize and admit that you cannot and indeed will not find life living as the one who determines everything about yourself. Now, to clarify, I don't think Jesus is saying, therefore, your entire identity and personality must be completely surrendered and suspended, and you become this kind of automaton that really doesn't reflect any of your personality in the way in which God has created you. I don't think that's true. Rather, when Jesus invites us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, he is saying, in losing yourself, you find yourself. That when we deny ourselves, we are, we are finding ourselves in a way we couldn't when we lived for ourselves. Let, let me illustrate it this way. Think of it like weightlifting. So I've been told, uh, weightlifting, you know, the way to build muscle is to break down muscle. You have to tear muscle in order to build it back up. In the same way, if we want to find the life that we long for, it comes through denying ourselves. It comes from recognizing we cannot control everything about who we are. And so as we think about our, our Monday life, where all, I mean, all of us are going to be somewhere tomorrow morning, as we think about where we spend the majority of our time, every aspect of our lives, what we need to see is that everything, every person we come in contact with, every place we go, every decision we make, it is an opportunity for the follower of Jesus to say, I am living my life for Christ and not myself. Every single place that we find ourselves, not just on Sunday, but in every part of our lives, is an opportunity for us to ask the question, will I live for myself or for Christ? And so if you're a follower of Jesus, I, I want you to ask this question of yourself. Where is your approval rating higher than Jesus? Where in your life is your approval rating higher than Jesus? Where are, are you living as, as if you are the, the own Lord of your life, where you are the Savior of your life? Where do you find yourself unwilling to deny yourself and surrender to the will of Jesus? Where are you trusting and treasuring your will over His? And where are you failing or struggling to repent of surrendering control to Him and giving everything to Him and under His authority? My prayer for us as a church, for those of us who are taking seriously this call to follow Jesus, and for those of us who are considering it, my prayer is that we would be a people who are so lovingly devoted to Jesus and so empowered by His Spirit in such a way that we are able to enter into our homes, into our places of work, into our schools, into every aspect of our lives, surrendering everything under His authority 
to say, it is now not my will, but yours be done. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And Monday is an opportunity for us to battle with ourselves and find the life that we all desire to live. We must be willing to battle ourselves on Monday if we are going to take seriously this call to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Then and only then will we be positioned to risk everything for him. Because also what it means to follow Jesus, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, yes, it means to battle with ourselves, to recognize that we have a higher approval rating of ourselves than Jesus. But secondly, what we see is that Monday is also a place where we risk everything for him. Monday is where we risk everything for him. The natural outcome of one who denies themselves and places everything under Jesus' authority the natural outcome is that one is now able and willing to say, I am willing to endure costs. I am willing to risk the, the loss of, of honor and recognition. I'm willing to, to, to uh, suffer the, the cost of, of a reputation or of a promotion, a friendship or whatever it may be if it means being faithful to following Jesus because to follow him means that he now is the one you have placed all of your life in submission to. Which is why Jesus immediately follows, as he says, deny yourself and take up your cross. There's a reason why Jesus follows that in verse 24 with these words. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And herein lies the beautiful irony of Jesus' wisdom, of the path to the good life. That, that in our attempts to find life, the more we gain, the more we actually lose. But the, the, more, the more we give up, the more we gain. Let, let, let me say that one more time. That the, the, the irony of Jesus' words is that, the more to, that there is more to gain when we lose than, than in what we gain by holding on to the things that we so desire. This is the beautiful irony of God's wisdom for us. Jesus came to give us everything, to give us life, forgiveness, redemption, and joy and belonging. And in return, we respond with a posture that says, I'm willing to endure risk, endure costs, to be faithful to you. Why? Because Jesus is worth it. Because we believe that he has come to bring us into a life that is full of joy and meaning and purpose. And one of the things that I deeply believe is that there is a direct correlation between how deeply and how frequently we reflect on, on Jesus' sacrificial gift towards us. There's a direct correlation between how deeply and frequently we reflect on Jesus' love towards us and our ability to risk everything for him in all of life. When we understand what Christ has endured and the cost that he paid for us, that empowers us to be a people who respond to him not out of obligation or out of a payback of some kind, but in response to his great love towards us, we respond with a posture that says, in light of what you have done for me, I am willing to endure cost and risk anything for you. When you, uh, as someone once said, when you know in your knower that Jesus has given his life for you and the depth of that cost it reframes everything about us, and it empowers us to be a people who are able to enter into our Monday life saying, whatever comes, 
Whatever cost I will endure, it is worth it to be faithful to you because of what you have accomplished for me. You see, in our Monday life, we are all faced with various decisions, decisions that lead us to to determine if I'm going to go this route or this route. Will I value this or this? Will I love this or despise this? And sometimes these decisions require that we endure a cost to be faithful to Jesus. Because you see, here's the thing. Sunday is where we ask the question, will I risk everything for Jesus? Sunday is where we ask that question. But it is in our Monday life where we answer the question. It's on Sunday as we gather as God's people, as we reflect on the depth and the beauty of Jesus' love towards us, that we ask this question, gosh, will, will I risk everything for him? But it is on Monday, and how we live is how we answer it. We answer this question, will I risk everything for Jesus? We answer this question in the halls of Olathe West and Northwest. We answer this question in the conference room of Garmin. We answer this question in the dining room of our homes. We answer this question in the things that we post in social media and the conversations we have with neighbors and coworkers. We ask it here, but we answer it on Monday. This is why Jesus said, take up your cross daily, not weekly, not twice a month, not on Christmas and Easter, but we are called to follow Jesus in all of life, every day, because that is the mission he has called us to. Now, I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying that, that if, you just, if you just take up your cross and deny yourself and risk everything for Jesus, everything is going to be wonderful, and you're going to get a Maserati and a yacht, and it's going to be great. Like, that's not the promise that Jesus gives. Explicitly, Jesus never tells us that if we follow him, life is going to be easy and without pain. In fact, the contrary is true. But what I am saying is that when we enter into our Monday life, into every aspect of our existence with a firm grasp on and gratitude for what Jesus has done for us, we are able, we we enter in with with a, a power and perspective that reframes our costs and the things that we risk. Again, there's a direct correlation between our deep and frequent reflection on what Jesus has done for us and our ability to risk everything for him in our Monday life. I want to share a story about a church family member of ours. I was recently with a good brother of ours here at church, and he was sharing how he has kind of lived out his call in following Jesus in his Monday life. This brother of ours has basically lost his entire life savings, and his reputation has been tarnished because of a business deal that kind of went south. And I can't share a lot of details here, but but essentially, um, and, and the greater issue is not the loss of money or even his reputation. The greater issue is that the product that he was working on is now being held up and can't go to market. And the great shame of that is that this device literally has the capability of caring for and, and curing hundreds if not thousands of people who suffer from a wide range of ailments. All because of these friends, who some of which he's known for 50 years, some of which d- had I've identified as followers of Jesus, are just after his money. They don't care about this product. They don't care about what it can do. They have taken him to court. They have falsely accused him. They have defamed his reputation. And they're after his life savings. And as I sat with this brother, as he was heartbroken over all of this, he genuinely saying, look, I don't, I don't care about the money. What, what I am so heartbroken over 
is that because of the greed of these people, some of which who have claimed to follow Jesus, this product cannot go to market and care for people who desperately need it. And as I sat there with him and as I prayed with him, what he told me, he said, my prayer is that what I long for is that this device would be able to go to market to bless neighbors that I don't even know. And he said, I would endure, I would lose every penny if this device could go to market and that my accusers would come to know Jesus and walk in truth and justice. And I believe his heart in that. Friends, this is a disciple who's ready for Monday, who understands what it means to risk all things to be faithful to Jesus, who sees that, that what we do with the majority of our time is not something that funds the mission, so to speak, but it is a part of God's work in this world. And so as we consider what it means to deny ourselves, as we consider what it means to risk everything for Jesus, let me ask us this second question. What risk will you face following Jesus tomorrow. I want you to think about where you will be this time tomorrow or sometime tomorrow, and you will face decisions and questions that will, that will ask something of you and demand something of you that may require you saying no in order to be faithful to what Jesus has called you to. You may be faced with, with a dilemma that will require you to speak up when it will mean a great cost to you. It may mean you being bold enough to call someone out who has uttered a, an ethnic slur or has slandered a, a person or people group uh, in your place of work or neighborhood or school. It, it may mean declining uh, work or, or resigning from your job altogether because a client or your boss has asked you to do something unethical or even illegal. It may mean being willing to uh, give up a personal expense because you rather would be generous in such a way to bless someone who is in a greater financial situation and need. It may mean declining time with friends so that you can tutor a classmate of yours who's struggling in chemistry and you, by God's grace, are brilliant at chemistry and I'm thankful for you people who are. It may mean enduring costs. It may mean declining friendships. It may mean saying no to someone so that you can say yes to Jesus. And again, there are some phenomenal resources I would point to in our workbook that helps us think about what does it mean to risk everything for Jesus? And so what cost will you endure tomorrow? What risk will you face to be faithful to Jesus? And what will you need in order to risk everything for him? This question is predicated on who we say that Jesus is. Monday is where, yes, we battle with ourselves, it is where we are willing to risk everything for him, but Monday is also where we say who Jesus is. It's one thing to declare, to declare that Jesus is Lord and King as we gather on Sunday. That's, that's easy for the most part. It's an entirely different thing to declare him as Lord and Savior and King in our Monday life and how we live and how we conduct ourselves. You see, Jesus' words to his disciples here to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily, it is in the context of an incredibly important conversation that Jesus has with his disciples earlier in verses 18 through 20. Look with me at verses 18 and 20 of Luke 9. And Jesus asked his disciples, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? There is perhaps no question more important than that. Who do you say that Jesus is? 
Not, not what are the theories out there, what do the crowd say, uh, have you read my Wikipedia article? It's, it's not about that. What do you think of my teaching? It's who do you say that Jesus is? And, and if you are not a follower of Jesus, l- let me just ask you to be honest with wrestling with this question. I'm not telling you to, to come to a definitive answer right now, but how do, you, how do you answer this question? What do you do with Jesus of Nazareth? What do you do with a, a teacher who also claimed to be God? What do you do with this humble servant who also claimed to create all things? What do you do with this loving neighbor who is also the judge of the earth? And and, and if you are wrestling with these questions, let me say, I'm glad you're here. We want to wrestle with you as you ask this question of yourself. We would love for you, if you have questions about what it means to follow Jesus, to know him, how to answer this question, would you come speak with me or someone on staff, someone you came to church with? We want to wrestle through this question together. But for those of you who are followers of Jesus, you, you don't get a pass at this question. We, we never graduate past this question. But rather, we continue to ask it in new and fresh ways. We answer it each and every day in the life that we live We answer it in the choices that we make. We answer it in the things that we love and the things that we despise. And so as we think about our whole life, who do we say that Jesus is at the gym, at work, and at school? Who do we say that Jesus is as we are conversing with neighbors? Who do we say that Jesus is as we post on social media? Who do we say that Jesus is with with our children and in parenting? in our sexuality, in our political decisions, in our financial spending. When the answer to this question is the Son of God who entered into our world to live the perfect life for us and die in our place, to defeat death on our behalf, to return and restore all things and to give us his spirit that we might be empowered to live this life, when that is the answer to this question, we can enter into Monday with a power and perspective that allows us to deny ourselves and to risk everything for Jesus and follow him no matter what. And, that's, and, and again, that's because Monday, our whole life is not about us, it is about Jesus. And that's exactly what our sister at our downtown campus, Phyllis, believes. Listen to her story. being disabled or different. I accepted Jesus at 19 years old and you probably could hear me for three or four blocks. I just started praising God. It was just such a feeling in the presence that I had never experienced. And then when they got to talk about healing, how Jesus was a healer and they would talk about how I could be healed and I believed it. I walked away very discouraged. And nothing, no healing, no nothing. When I got in this wheelchair, it was very depressing for me because I really believed that if I had enough faith that I would not, that I would walk, but that wasn't the case. I never questioned God why I had polio. That in my mind was never, why am I like this? I never questioned that, but it was like, my question is to be, when am I going to walk? That's where I came to. I'm like, Lord, okay, I'm in this wheelchair, and I know that you're here. I know it because I believe the word. But even if you don't, 
It mm. took a long time for me to get there. I'm going to still serve you. I was kind of just through with church. Not God, but church. My daughter actually was on her way to going to another church, and she thought Christ Community was that church. <laughs> so accidentally, she came to Christ Community, <laughs> and she sat there, and it was something about Christ Community that just hit a chord with her. And she came home, and she said, Mama, you got to come. It's not like any place we've been. You guys became our family. Christ Community became a, a place of refuge for me. It's a place of healing, still a place of healing for me. Coming to Christ Community has uh, really given me a different perspective on God and my ministry and, and what I'm supposed to be doing. And I know part of my purpose is, is to encourage and to pray for people and, and to be there and to be a beacon of light when they don't see it. It's a place not a just, just worship. It's not just on Sunday, but it's every day of the week. I've never been a part of a ministry like that. And I can truly say I, I feel valued, not just as, as a believer, but as a person. And then as, as a person with a disability, I don't know if it's his will for me to be healed. Only he knows that. I can see one aspect of me being in a chair bringing him glory. And I can say that because when people see that I love God regardless of my circumstances, when people see that I still praise him regardless of being in a chair, that gives people encouragement. So they can say, no matter where I am, I can still serve God. Crisis is a 24-7, seven days a week God, not just on a Sunday, but Sunday through to the next Sunday. And I see my purpose here, you know, just showing people Christ, even if it's just a smile, people understand the language of love. That's pretty incredible. If you haven't had the chance of, of meeting and knowing Phyllis, uh, you are missing out. But isn't that, I mean, isn't that just a, a taste of the life that we want? That we want to follow Jesus in this way, having this perspective of our, of our pain, of our suffering, of our days and hours. Monday is not about you, it is about Jesus. Well, I mean, what happens when Monday is about us? I mean, we, we, we will look at our school as, as just a social hangout at best or, or a place that we just endure at worst. We will see, we will see our, our work as, as a place that just kind of funds our, our lifestyle at best or, or a place of drudgery at worst. We will see our hobbies as channels of, of unfulfilling recreation at best or destructive and, and hollow idols at worst. We'll see our volunteering as opportunities to build our self-image at best or, or completely futile self-justification projects at worst. But what happens when Monday is about Jesus and everything else is framed around that paradigm? Well, then school becomes a place where we grow in wisdom and service to God and others. Our work becomes the primary place by which we love God and serve our neighbors. Our, our hobbies become opportunities to enjoy God and his creation and connect with others. And that our volunteering becomes a way in which we surrender ourselves to serve the common good that God has called us to. 
Monday is not about you. It is about Jesus. But the question for us to consider is who do you say that Jesus is? We ask that question here, but we answer it on Monday. Who do you say that Jesus is today and tomorrow? Let's pray together. And and as we pray, I'd like to pray this this prayer of the church that, that is centered around this call to deny ourselves and to take up our cross. Hear this prayer of the church that followers of Jesus have prayed for years. Lord God, give us grace to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily and to follow Christ. to to discipline our whole lives and submit them to you. Lord, keep us from being lovers of ourselves, from being wise in our own eyes and leaning on our own understanding. Give us to seek not our own good only, but also the good of our neighbor. And grant that we may not live to ourselves or die to ourselves, but whether we live or die, may we be the Lord's. And may we live and die to him each and every day for his glory and the good of our neighbors. In Christ's name we pray, amen. What is it that empowers us and enables us to be a people who can deny ourselves and take up our cross each and every day? It's the reality that Jesus has done this for us. It's the truth that that he has entered our world. You see, we center our entire lives, we center our Sundays and our Mondays around this story. That Jesus denied himself by by suspending the comforts and luxuries of heaven by entering our world to suffer in our place. That he denied himself by, by suffering in our place, surrendering his will to the Father, and he took up his cross literally to secure our forgiveness and redemption. It is this humbling and empowering truth that we center our entire lives around Sunday and Monday. We never move beyond it, we move deeply into it. And one of the ways in which we do move deeper into this truth to center us and to prepare us is the Lord's table. We come to the Lord's table to be reminded that Christ has lived and died for us so that we might find life with him and that life with him is to be lived every day, everywhere, with everyone. At Christ Community, we we celebrate what we call open communion. You don't need to be a member here uh, to participate, but this is a family meal. This is for those who have come to deny themselves and trust and treasure Jesus above all things. And so if that describes you, come. Uh, We have two stations in in the front, and we have stations in the back. Uh, Come in groups of four to five. As you hear the instruction given from the leader, take the bread, dip into the cup, and then partake together. Come when you are ready. But if you are not a follower of Jesus... I invite you to take Christ instead and then come to celebrate with your brothers and sisters. Come and remember what Christ has done for us. Come.